reason that I'm here is because you know, the club is seeking change. He said, well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different first team under me. You know, my hope and my desire and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 135, and we have got another packed show to discuss Tottenham Hotspur and all things surrounding it. With two weeks to go before the Premier League season, there is, uh, of course, plenty to discuss. I've got three of my friends alongside to do it with. We'll start by throwing it out to Caroline. She is at CG Stefko. Caroline, how are you on this fine Sunday? I'm hanging in there. Um, I made the really stupid decision to dog sit a less than six month old puppy during a World Cup in another time zone. So I, I'm not been getting a lot of sleep. I I completely missed the last first men friendly. So full disclosure, won't have much to say about that. But otherwise, I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much we're gonna have to say about that. I mean, can you really learn anything from playing against uh, Singapore's third best team? I don't know, but we're definitely going to spin some topics off uh, out of that game and and, and talk a little Spurs. Uh, Scott is also with us. He is at DSM Spurs. Scotty, what's going on with you, man? Chilling. I'm also okay. Lost in the championship game of a hockey tournament this weekend. uh, My feet and my hands hurt. My mouth is all fucked up from wearing a mouth guard all weekend. Uh, just, uh, I took a slap shot off the ankle, so we're, we're, we're hanging in there, but five games at, at 34 years old over a, over a two and a half day period is, is a lot. So, uh, but here to talk about Spurs for sure. That's pretty, that's pretty rough, man. It sounds, it sounds like the Tottenham Depot crew are limping to the start of the season. We need to, we need to make sure everyone are getting through the preseason healthy and, and ready for the start of the year. Todd. Please tell me that that you are are healthy and not not banged up and not not sleep deprived. Uh, the Todd no, Fowler no. is with us. He's, he's at TC underscore Cachot. Todd, you're healthy, right? Please. You darn right, I am. Any, uh, I'm actually fresh off of a uh, a trip to the desert where I played some pickleball and hung out by a pool and um, did a copious amounts of nothing. So I am quite refreshed. And any day that you get to talk about a, a W of any kind, as Ange will remind you, all of them are important. They always matter. It's a good fucking day. We got a W to talk about today. And uh, I think, personally, several Ws to talk about throughout this podcast as it pertains to Tottenham Hotspur. Ange. I love that. Okay, good. I'm I'm feeling healthy as well. I'm feeling rested. The weekend has treated me well. Not that anyone, any of you asked, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, at least, at least half this podcast is 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 healthy and well rested. We'll 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 bring the other two along. Don't worry. We're going to have a little conversation about this game, as you said. Uh, Lion City Sailors one, Tottenham Hotspur five. Spurs, of course, fell down in this game uh, early on, and then uh, ripped off five straight to win it. And again, not a whole lot you're going to learn from from playing a game like this, uh, a friendly that was kind of rescheduled after Roma had to back out of this this preseason tour. But there are some things to talk about in terms of the goal scorers and the events that happened. So I figured we could do that. And unfortunately, where I kind of want to start with this conversation is with Harry Kane, because he was a goal scorer in this game, scored on a penalty um, that was very nicely drawn by Pat Matesar in this match uh, right before halftime. And the Harry Kane conversation goes kind of like the Harry Kane conversation has gone over the last handful of weeks, Caroline. It starts with with your other team, Bayern Munich, and they're just they're just continuing to knock on the door and ask if Harry can come over and play. 
And uh, Tottenham Hotspur continue to say that, you know, he, he needs to, I don't know, clean up his room and can't come outside uh, until he does so. I don't know what the metaphor is here, but where, where, what are we feeling about? There's supposed to be a meeting this week. Uh, I, I think we're finally almost to a point in this whole saga where it's starting to feel a little bit more real that this could be something that actually happens. And I think even from a fan sentiment standpoint, it's starting to feel a little bit more acceptable to this point, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll just say to start that, amongst other things, this whole transfer saga has made it hard for me to get excited about either of my team's season starting. Uh, so that's kind of frustrating. But I, I, it does feel a lot more real than it has in the past. Like, it's, it's starting to feel pretty inevitable. And I, I think I've come around to feeling like it's the right time for him to move on. Um, you know, there's always a chance he comes back later to the Premier League and, um, you know, gets gets the record with Spurs after all, after going away to, you know, quote unquote, win some trophies like it's that easy. Um, you know how I feel about that. <laughs> but I just I think we're probably this is probably the best time for it to happen because we have a new manager who's kind of changing completely the way we've been playing for the last few seasons and I think I think y'all may have talked about this in the last episode that Kane is not necessarily the ideal striker for an Ange system so if this is an opportunity for like Richarlison for example to kind of have that chance to shine Sonny um, you know, there have been a lot of a lot of talk in the fan base. I think this week about the question of the captaincy as well, because prior to all this news about you know Kane trying to force a move again, we all kind of assumed that Kane would be the captain. But I think a lot of people are kind of getting behind Sun for that role instead. I know I am for sure. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling. It's just, it's just been a lot of <laughs> emotions around this it's, whole Kane saga. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And I know, I know Todd's like itching to jump in here because I know he vehemently disagrees with about 75% of probably what you just said, if not more. And I'm going to let him do that. But I, I, I'm kind of where you are, Caroline. It's, it's a ramble at this point. It's like, I, we, we, I think we said it three weeks ago or two weeks ago. Like, I just want resolution in all of this. Uh, yeah, and I just want of, it done. That's kind of where I, I am. Todd, what, and, you, and I, know see, you, I totally I know you disagree with that. You just want the stories to stop. You just want the the buzz to go away. Like the only reason why we're still talking about this is because the media pumps it through the fucking speakers every single day. Nothing has changed. There's no concrete offer. The offer that has been even reported is not remotely close to what Daniel Levy is going to accept for Harry Kane. Harry Kane hasn't come out and said anything. Harry Kane's people haven't come out and said anything. All of this inevitability that we're talking about on your guys' side of the table is being pumped in by FC Bayern. So what the f- – on Twitter, you can follow him. And, and, and so, like, as we're having this conversation, <clears throat> talking about Harry Kane is maybe it being better to let him go because Richarlison might be – what the fuck? It's Harry Kane. He scored 60% of our goals last year. The idea that – Harry Kane isn't going to fit into an Ange Postacoglu system is fucking bonkers business to me because he's the best number nine in the world and he can play wherever. 
Like, if you have them drop back a little bit further and distribute the ball to Sonny or Decky over the top, like we saw him do for Jose Mourinho, he's going to lead the fucking league in assists and probably goals too. I'm just saying, like, the Harry Kane thing boils down to this right now for me. It is a storyline that keeps Tottenham in limbo in the news. And because of that, one, it sells because Tottenham in turmoil is one of the hottest selling commodities in English football. Uh, and two, from Harry Kane's standpoint, it keeps Harry Kane's name in the news. Now, the, the biggest issue that I have with this is that Bayern Munich wasn't exact, isn't exactly the destination that it was even a week ago with Sadio Mane going to fucking the Saudi League. So, like, if I'm Harry Kane, that changes the entire conversation for me. Now, I'm going to say this. As I press the pause button here, this story pales in comparison to the fact that we still need two center backs. We'll pause there. Can I just add a clarification? So I don't actually think that Kane would not be suited to Angie's system. Like I, I think he is a world-class player. And we've seen that under every manager we've had the past, I don't know how many years, he's always found a way to make it work and, and be the most important player on our team, frankly. So that to me is not the issue. And I, I think that for what he means to the club, I still think that Kane is priceless. Like th this whole issue of the transfer fee, like it, it, it really is priceless. But I just think this is the time that it's, it's going to happen because, you know, Scott wrote this really great piece that our listeners should definitely seek out about the fact that it, if it wasn't likely to happen, Kane would have said something by now. And I have to agree with that. So yeah, I'm just so, resigned so, to the so, fact that so it is Scott happening. And I, and I think we are well suited for it to happen. Scott and I went back and forth about that a little bit this week in our group chat. And I, I hear what you're saying. And Scott, if you want to defend yourself, by, by all means, not that you have to defend yourself. It's, 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 a, it's a valid point. Like either party, whether it's Spurs coming out and saying, no, we're not selling Kane at any price for, for, for this season. They could do that. Would they? They've already I, said that. Well, no, they have not said that. They have yes, not they really, no, they have not released Levy an official came out, statement well, that said that we're not selling Kane at any price. Okay, if we want to play the semantic game, we can. I believe that the exact quote was something to the akin of, <clears throat> "We have to be approached with a viable deal." Okay, so let me ask you this: sell because Harry Kane this summer, and that hasn't this happened a minute yet. ago. Yeah, you brought this up a minute ago, though, with with mm -hmm. Daniel Levy hasn't seen the the bid that he wants, hasn't seen enough of a, a, a an actual he hasn't proposal seen an in front of bid. If 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 reports are to be believed, and I know that that comes with a massive caveat, reports Alistair are. Alistair Gold are said no. Paul O'Keefe said no. Like I, I understand. And I'm not just, I, I'm, the only reason why I'm pushing back is because there's a lot of shit on the internet about this specifically that's being taken as fact. That's pure conjecture, which happens bullshit. all the time at this time of year. Agreed. Which is why, of course, I hate this time of year. I, I get what you're saying. We're on the same page. My question would be, if if there's an 80 million pound bid to be had with plus incentives, whatever else they want to throw in, is that number for you? whether you're you or whether you're Daniel Levy, should that number be considered for a guy with w entering the final year of his deal? Who, again, if quote unquote reports that I believe he does, he's not interested in signing a, con a new contract before the season starts. Is that, is that a number that interests you at all in no. this situation? No, it's not remotely okay. close to a number that interests me. That's one, two. He didn't say that he wasn't open to extending his current deal. 
He simply said he wasn't trying to sign a new deal. I don't want him. I don't want him to sign a new deal. I want him to sign a two-year extension, just like I've been saying this entire summer. Sign your two-year extension. Get your fucking record that will make you a living legend forever. And then what exactly is whatever the, you want to do. Maybe this is me not understanding the semantics. What exactly is the difference between those two things? In, signing, in a new, signing a new deal is committing to Tottenham for the rest of your career. Okay. So okay. signing an I, extension I is to is... check the box and then okay. go Robert Lewandowski wherever the fuck you want to go. Okay. That's exactly. a simple semantic decision. I, I want to let Scott jump in on this topic because, like I said, Scott, you you wrote about this. I know that you're more in. I think you're. I think you're maybe even a little further than where Caroline is, and like just kind of ready for him to go. You're you're on the opposite side of where Todd is. I know. Like, wh what are your thoughts on this whole Kane saga? We've I, that I feel like we've been talking about for a damn month, and I'm. Like I said, I'm just to the point where I want resolution. <laughs> yeah, well, and first of all, thanks for the shout, Carol, and I, I appreciate that on the, on the article. But, yeah, I think really, really for me all it is, it's not that I'm ready for Harry Kane to go. It, it's just that I'm just kind of over the whole thing. And I think I've, I've said many times that I think the worst thing that could ever happen in the club is that he leaves for free. Um, but, I, but I think really my only point with all of this is as Todd said, the media puts Tottenham in a really tough place and the club and Harry Kane can stop that immediately by just making a simple decision that I think is a good decision and one that we're all asking for, which is to come out and say something. Um, if, if you're the club, you come out and say there's a price tag. If you, if, you, if you pay us this price tag and Kane's interested, then sure, he can go, right? Simple as that, $100 million, whatever. Then all the media has to stop. It can only be like, is there a bid or not at that point? Or Harry Kane comes out and says something along the lines of, I'm not going to sign a deal for a year, but I'm not quite sure what I want to do, or I'm ready to go, or whatever. I don't really care what it is. Like, just communicate, because at this point, the club suffers from the lack of communication from both parties. And is, is the club, from a PR standpoint, eating its own feet? For sure. It's been doing that for decades, right? But I, but. I, if someone comes out and says something, all of this can stop and the club can stop suffering in the media because Todd's correct. This is all media driven. This is all hoopla and buzz. Um, and all I've ever asked is for one of these two parties who are affiliated to Tottenham to, to stop this from happening so Tottenham can be better for it. Um, but And whether or not he goes, I don't fucking care. I really don't. Like, stay, go. That hasn't changed since, my, since we recorded last week. Either way, just... You know, whatever happens, happens. I'm going to support Tottenham, whether it's Richarlison or Son or Kane up top. It is what it is. And I don't think we're winning the league with Kane. So, I mean, we're definitely not. No, I, I agree with you. We're not going to win the league either way. But it's it's still a conversation that's going to be had. And it's going to be, you know, it's just going to be one of those things that drags on until there is resolution. And I get why you want resolution to come in the form of somebody just say something. But that's just not how negotiations are done. And I know you know that. And I'm not, it's not like, Oh yeah, it's but it certainly happens across Europe too. So as it, much as it, we it want does, to say that but doesn't it, but happen, it, we can say it definitely does, right? And and again, it goes both ways. Maybe not publicly though. Yeah. The other thing is is that from from a club standpoint, like again, like no news is like like no news coverage is bad news coverage at this stage of the transfer window. Like it's just buzz. It's just buzz about Tottenham. Right? Yeah, and Spurs and so probably like the other Spurs shit that's been going that on to an extent, right? Yes and no. Like, this is what I'm saying is that, that storylines sell, right? So you've got the Conte thing. I know what you're saying. You've got the Paratici thing. 
You've got the Joe Lewis thing. You've got the Enoch out thing. You've got the Harry Kane thing. And now, Andrew, I don't know if you want to go here, but now you've got the Jay-Z thing. No, I don't want to go there right now, but I want to go there eventually. But but all of those things are like I get what you're saying. They're having Spurs said in publications are, is, you know, for better or worse, like it's the old, you know, any PR is good PR type of mantra. And I get that why, you know, you might want to drag this out. And then if Spurs do just hold on to Harry Kane, it's like, oh, look at Spurs. They were able to hold on to Harry Kane despite having no European football, despite, you know a new regime like there is a little bit of that momentum that could build if he ends up staying if he doesn't end up staying and this kind of transitions us into another goal scorer that we had three times over from this lion city match richarlison scores a hat trick in this game and i guess the the simple question is with all this harry kane news are we prepared for and are we comfortable with richarlison just sliding into the striker role if harry kane does depart I'm to the point where, and I know Caroline and I have had extensive conversations about Richarlison. I've given him a pass for for the lack of you know output last season, first season with a new club, you know, uh, World Cup injuries, all all kinds of different things. I've given him you know the one time free pass, but I do think this is a really important season for Richarlison, and I think that the thing that could make it even more important would obviously be being foisted into the starting role as the striker if Harry Kane departs. How are we feeling in terms of the pressure that's on a player like that if this opportunity comes about, Caroline? Well, I mean, I'm not a professional athlete, so I can't really get inside Richarlison's head. But just speaking for myself, I think I would feel a lot less pressure being the go-to starter for Tottenham than I would feel being the backup to Kane, who has to constantly be compared to him. Um, so I think this honestly could be a good thing for Charleston. Again, if Kane goes, I'm not shoving him out the door. I'm just saying it might happen. Um, but I think, you know, he's, he's shown with Brazil that he's comfortable being the man and he, he can deliver. So I think this is going to be a much better season for Charleston. And hopefully the injury issues that he had last season are in the past, because I know that was definitely a huge factor in kind of the start stop nature of last season for him. Um, but yeah, I, I'm backing him. I think he's going to do great. Scotty, where are you at with Richarlison in regards to, you know, expectations and is this, you know, I I just don't know. I don't know how we assess what he did last year versus, all right, this guy just comes out and scores a, a hat trick granted against, like I said, the third best team in Singapore, but he seems like he, you know, is, is announcing, Hey, I'm going to have a better season than I did last year. Last year, there was a lot, a lot going on for me. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Caroline's right that it takes pressure off of Richarlison if if he's not you know fighting and dying for minutes. Um, can also be a hindrance, right? If he doesn't take take that opportunity as as seriously as he should, but I highly suspect he would. So I'm not concerned about that at all. I also think above all else, it's not so much that that he will equal Kane's output. He certainly won't. Um, he's not going to come out and win the Golden Boot, in my opinion, but. We're playing in a system that's new, and he seems to be playing well in this system, right? When he gets minutes, I, I understand the, the, the two matches and the level of opponent, right? But he's done a fair job. Um, and I think in this system, the goal-sharing responsibilities will be much more shared than we've seen in past seasons. Um, 
So, yeah, I think Richardson will do a fine job if he's asked to, to leave the line for us. Um, still plenty to, 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 to be seen there, right? As I know Todd wants to say, probably he's going to say this is all moot, but, um, but I think Richarlison would do a fine job. Um, yeah, I am extremely skeptical if we go into the season with Richarlison as our starting number. Uh, I just want to say I am too. I agree with yeah. you, Todd, hundred percent. I just, I like Richarlison. I really do. Um, I think Richarlison, if Kane leaves, as Scotty and I had a conversation about earlier in the week, I think Richarlison has 15 league goals in him. Um, I think even if Kane stays, Richarlison has 10 league goals in him. I would say probably 15 total goal contributions this season from Richarlison is a good number. Um, but it's not a replace Harry Kane number, Andrew. And like that's that's kind of it's kind of where we're at right now is like not just like hey if Richarlison's like the stop yet for a season, like that's that's fine if like Richarlison's like the guy we start the year with, but we have some, some young talent that we're trying to work in and, and, and we do that over the course of the year. Like I'm good with that as well. Again, like Matthias Tell was, was, was rumored though. Let's be honest, that shit's not going to happen. Um, but if there's somebody right that we can look to and say, okay, well, we've made some changes. We've made some moves Like our heart and soul has departed. We're going a different direction, but this is what you can bank on in the future. I think that is uh, a narrative that plays a lot better than, I don't worry about that shit. We got Richarlison. Yeah, I feel you. And I felt that way even when he was at Everton. I feel like he's that level of player and he's not he's not lead the line for Tottenham Hotspur level of player. And, and I know people are going to take that as a massive dig on Richarlison. And I don't mean it that way because like you, like you said, Scott, like this guy leads the line for Brazil and you know, has, has been able to do that successfully, but I just, I remain a little bit on the show it to me first side of things. Well, that's all. I mean, I think I, the reason I say is he'll do a fine job is, is more expectations for me. Like I, we're in the middle of a rebuild, right? If, if we really do sell Kane, then the rebuild gets very real and it already is, but um, I don't expect us to get, better than like sixth or seventh this season right and so i think if we're if we're and and the point's well taken you know that is richarlison the guy for the next five years or is he our striker for a season or two and until somebody who's younger is ready right to, to take over the reins from say harry kane but i think he'd do a fine job in in what our expectations are going to be next year and um i don't even mean to seem pessimistic when i say that but you guys know very well I'm I'm excited about all of this, but I'm certainly not ready to like invest our chances of pushing for the league in anyone that's here or even really getting top four because we have a lot of fucking work to do. We have no center backs to play right. with Christian Rivera, as Todd pointed out earlier, right? We have a right back who can't defend, in my opinion, and I think he's a great soccer player, but um, I have a lot of questions about our team still, and so whether or not Richarlison or Kane is there, Richarlison will do a fine job. I don't know. We'll probably get seventh and see what happens next season. So we're definitely going to come on to the center backs and the defense conversation here in a second. But before we do that, um, the other goal scorer from this game is second goal he scored in the preseason is is Giovanni Lacelso. And Ange Postacoglu made some comments about Lacelso when he was asked uh, earlier this week about you know would you like to keep Lacelso? What have, what have you seen from him thus far? There were reports in in Spanish media that that you know he 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 may want to keep him and you know Ange was kind of big Ange in in that he he joked and said you know 
you don't have to go to Spanish media. You can just ask me, which I thought was a, a nice quip, but also like he does like Lacelso, and I think he does want him to stay at this point, which I think is maybe a little bit of an upset and a little bit of a surprise for all of us. And I'm not sure that that all of us would have banked on Lacelso being someone not that he can't fit into an Ange system perfectly because it does seem like he does, but just you know, it hasn't seemed like he, this is the place that he wanted to be. He wanted to be back in Spain or 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 get a move. There's interest I know from Napoli right now as well. A lot of moving parts with this guy. He's obviously a player who could potentially provide some return on investment if he is sold. At least get you know, at least recoup what you paid for him. But at the same time, I don't know, Todd. I I kind of feel like. I wouldn't mind seeing LaCelso and James Madison on the pitch together, like feeding balls in to whoever's up front and, and scoring goals stupid. for this team. We're fucking stupid if we get rid of LaCelso. Like you're not going to buy somebody in the open market that's going to play a better Ange 8 than LaCelso for less than 75 million euro right now. And we already have a guy on the team that checks the box. So uh, even everybody around, because the biggest thing was prior – uh, we always heard that he was aloof or he wasn't particularly well-liked or he, he didn't um, mesh well with the guys. Uh, but by all accounts, uh, this season, this summer specifically, he's been much more jovial, much more upbeat, much more uh, you know open-minded and, and much more part of the group. And I think ultimately that's what we're going to want. By the way, we talked about the captainship earlier. Don't be surprised if you hear the name Eve Basuma get shouts as we get closer to the season. Just saying. Yeah, I, I don't know about any of that, but uh, where where Caroline's where... not a fan so much so that that, that her screen froze. She was denying that so vehemently. <laughs> yeah, that's probably just uh, my Wi-Fi. Yeah, it might might be might be the Wi-Fi uh, not wanting Eve Basuma to be captain. Um, it, it is that that is a whole another conversation that that we can have. But obviously, it's going to be you know the game's counting two weeks. We're going to find out here soon what what all is going on. Um, Lacelso, where are we at on Lacelso? I'm like Todd. You say I, I really am in favor, but obviously he has to want to be here. And to your point, it does seem a little bit like he's a little bit more open to it. Um, Caroline, where are you at on Lacelso? I I think it's probably a, a good idea to keep him around right oh i'm coming around to the idea which i was not expecting to say at the beginning of this preseason because i i mean i'll admit i had pretty much written him off just because it seemed like he hadn't been a good fit for the dressing room previously but it, it probably should be kept in mind that the dressing room environment in the past few seasons was negative primarily because of the managers that we had so, that, I mean, there could be some players who we had thought just were not fitting in that it really was just the the environment and and not so much like the team dynamic necessarily. But, yeah, I, I think at this point, like, I'd be intrigued to see him stay. The only thing if I was going to, like, play devil's advocate would be to say that he's one of the very few players on the books that we could get a decent transfer fee for. I think PEH is kind of in the same scenario where it's like you don't necessarily want to see them leave, but if it, you know, if if we feel like we do need to raise funds for, say, buying a world-class striker next season, then maybe you rationalize it. But I, I could go either way, basically. Scott, uh, I don't want to – a lot of comparisons are normally made between Lacelso and Ndombele just because they're both midfielders. They both came in at the same time. But I don't even want to bring Ndombele's name up in this conversation – because he's been hurt and we don't really know what's going on. 
But I will say, if you would have told me at the start of the summer that it seems now like Lacelso has a better chance of staying in Angie's squad than than Ndombele, I would have said that that was a, a big upset because I think three weeks ago we all probably thought Ndombele had the better shot to to work his way back into this team. Where are you on Lacelso uh, throughout this whole thing, though? Yeah, for, I, first I'll say I think that Noctong you picked up in training has 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 really set him back, but I still think he's he's in and around the opportunities to be a part of the squad. I don't think that's changed there, but Lacelso has done what any good professional should do and taken his opportunities to look good. Um, the only thing I'll say about Lacelso is the same thing that I've talked about since we signed him. His his 39th appearance for us was the most he'd ever played for a club at the time. And now Valencia, if we're if we're talking league appearances, right? Or sorry, Villarreal uh, leads leads that stat with seventy appearances he made in La Liga for them, which is crazy that it's been on loan. You know, his highest ever appearances for the club that he played for. But he's bounced around a lot, injuries, not being favored in the dressing room, so he needs to land somewhere. And not so much do we want him around. I think Giovanni Lasso needs needs to be part of this squad because another loan. You know, or even another move, be be it a straight transfer, is going to put him in another position where he's back to zero appearances ever for his club, right? And eventually, I do think you need to stick and 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 rack up the the opportunities to be a centralized part of any team. Because again, a good player, very talented, but when you're moving around like that, you've never been part of a core that was required, right? And that's something I think he's that he needs to figure out. So yeah, I hope it's that Spurs. And I think, for, like I said, from his minutes, there's every reason to think that. He's going to be involved, and and I'm glad for for him for that. It's uh, it's another couple of weeks for that decision to to kind of be made, and and another couple of weeks too for a decision with the de- this defense to be made because this defense has been uh really called into question, and it was in this match against Lion City as well with that first goal conceded. Obviously, for those who saw the the goal, you know you could say Pedro Porro a little bit at fault, but probably also a little bit Ben Davis at fault. Center backs have been the topic, and Spurs have still not brought in a new center back. Um, this is one that I thought, you know, Todd, you and I talked about this like three weeks ago before the club even went uh, on tour, and, and and you told me, you know, don't worry, calm down. It's not like a center back needed to go on tour. Well, how are you mm-hmm. feeling right now that Spurs are, are, you know, instead of being four or five weeks away from their first match, they're two weeks away, and they still don't have a new center back through the door. Are you any more worried than you were? Uh, before the preseason tour no yeah i i mean i didn't expect them to sign a center back while we were on tour because we're, we're not at hotspur way right we're on tour so well like, but we, but we but, but telephone before. telephones and emails work right again this is about bringing people into the squad right so like there's certain ways that things need to be gone about in order for it to go the way that we want it to go. So that said, it's not surprising to me that we didn't sign anybody in the interim. It's not surprising that we haven't signed anybody this weekend because it's Sunday, right? Like if we're in this position at the end of next week, Andrew, like I'll feel significantly less happy about things, but I feel like we've had three or four different center back deals lined up throughout this summer. It's just a matter of what route we want to go. To be fair, I feel as though there's been a little bit of hurry up and, and wait on Spurs' side when it comes to this because I feel like I feel like Daniel Levy is the man city of negotiators 
And so every time he shows up on the other side of the negotiation table, everybody thinks that they got to bring their A game and do something special or different or get out of control. As we saw with the fucking Blackburn deal for Ashley Phillips. Like, what the fuck? Like, it's two million release clause unless it's Tottenham and then it's six million. Fuck out of here. Like, what are we doing? So, like, I would say that from a center back perspective, if you're looking at Vandevin, if you're looking at Tapsoba, if you're looking at uh Tosin from down the street if you're looking at Gruel if you're looking at Laporte if you're looking at there's all these different center backs that are available in the market it's just not just the two names that we've been beat about the head and shoulders with that if we don't come up with those two guys we're all of a sudden failures in the market so I feel like that narrative is being teed up by so many different people for when the tap soba deal doesn't go through and it just, I don't know, man. I, I feel like the way that Tottenham does business, as we've seen over the course of the last couple of windows, is we've got a number one target, we've got a number two target, and then we've got like three foo five, and we'll sort it out if one and two fall apart. I hear that. I do. Um, and I also think there's something to be said, Scott, for you can probably bring a center back in a little bit later in this window and implement him into Ange's system because I don't think there's as much for a center back to have to adapt to in Ange's system than there would be, say, for a midfielder or an attacker. It feels a lot more like a center back is, no, get him in here, do center back things. There's not a lot of specialty work that a center back needs to do in Ange's system. But at the same time, if it comes down to, to you know, one of those guys and Clement Longley, I do think there's going to be a lot of pissed off fans and I do think there's going to be a lot of people who say Spurs settled for something. Where are you at with the fact that we are, like I said, two weeks from, you know, two weeks from, from now we'll be recapping the first Premier League game of the season. Um, instead of talking about transfers and, and, you know, obviously the window will still be open, but we will be more interested in what has happened on the field in the first week. And hopefully it's not conceding four goals and, you know, losing four, three. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the the first thing I'll say is this all stems from a narrative that Tottenham waits too late and Tottenham this, that, right? There's times where we probably have, but I would say 80% of teams, if not more, 85, 90% of teams in Europe are still trying to get their deals done, right? There's just, there's those mega names that don't have to wait to get their deals done because they have Champions League or they have absorbent, geez, I, wrong choice of words, but they have massive wages to be able to pay out on these deals, right? Um, we're not quite there yet. We know this. Talk about value of the club. Value doesn't always mean that you have the opportunity to pay $400 a week, $400,000 a week to new players, right? So there's going to be times where we are going to have to wait to get to get stuff done. And I think the center back is probably the, the, the easiest position to step into, right, to learn the system. Um, and then I'll, I'll close by saying whatever, like I'm not going to, and I don't mean to like make, make light of, of people's emotions, but like, I don't know, man, we'll sign a center back when we sign a center back. The last thing I'm going to do is like wake up every morning and try to figure out if it's happened yet, because when it happens, I'm sure that I will find out from my Twitter feed. Right. And we'll move on with our lives, but not my money, not my problem. I'm not the manager. Um, I'm sure we'll sign some center backs and when it, when it happens, I'll be glad for it, but that's about where I'm at. 
I'm glad. To, I'm just glad to see that Elon's marketing campaign to get you to call it X has not worked. Um, I really appreciate. No, I will not do the update. So, I think yeah, when the update happens, it might be the last day that I use the app. So I'm holding out. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not a good look. Um, I, I guess I'm, I'm just skeptical that this is going to go well. I I'm I was skeptical three weeks ago. I'm a little bit more skeptical now. I do think there's still time to get a guy in. Like I said, I don't know that you need. Uh, a large time to bed someone into the center back position in this system. But I, like I said, I want to starting quote unquote caliber guys. And I don't know, it might require the sale of either a Harry Kane or a Giovanni LaCelso or a tongue. It might require the sale. And that's the other part of this that we haven't really talked about is that, you know, Davis Sanchez apparently has an offer uh, in Russia, but that he's mulling over and, you know, who knows about Jaffa Tanganga, who knows about some of these other guys that, you know, you would think would be departures and would need to be departures in order to bring other players in. You can't just have nine center backs in this squad. Yeah. You know, no, you know, I that's think too you're many see, damn center backs. I think you're going to see a lot of movement this week, to be honest. We saw the, the first rumblings about PEH to Atletico, like they submitted the first bid. It was too low, but, you know, opening bid is an opening bid. So at least that's there. Um, again, I think you're going to start seeing dominoes falling relatively quickly on the on the outgoings, but I don't want to hear that bullshit about how we're, we need to be sellers before we can be buyers. Cause I just watched Joe Lewis put up a $300 million bond. So eat a dick. Let's, let's, let's get into that conversation now. Uh, I'll, I'll put a wrap on the, the preseason game talk by just by saying uh, Spurs will next play against Shakhtar. That's that match next Sunday. So a week before, and then they have another match against Barcelona, uh, at midweek next week, leading up to the first Premier League game. So two two more on the schedule after the one was postponed last week. I don't know for sure. Spurs will probably try to get some kind of closed-door uh, match in with somebody local, perhaps later this week would be my guess, um, just to get a little bit more work in. But we'll see if that happens. But yeah, the, the, the other big story coming out of, of Spurs land this week is this Joe Lewis indictment. And... I, there's a really good piece on the athletic that is, is a very lengthy piece and kind of goes through the Joe Lewis indictment for insider trading in Southern district of New York. And it spells out a lot of different things and tells you a lot about Joe Lewis that I didn't know. Um, mainly cause I don't really pay that much attention to billionaires and don't care about them that they, they don't affect my lives. Well, they do, but not in ways that I like to mull over or talk about. Um, but I think the biggest question that everyone has had out of this is how does this actually impact Tottenham Hotspur? And from everything that I've read in a word, I th I'd say not too much. Uh, there's been discrepancy over between the club and, and some reports over how much Joe Lewis is actually still involved in owning Tottenham Hotspur. He obviously has been a big part, but you know, some legal filings and everything that went down last year might've changed some of that, but Todd, I, I, I know you have a different opinion on this, as you are one to do, which I love. You do think this really impacts the club, this indictment and and this this whole kind of cloud. I, I can see how it would from a PR standpoint and a cloud hanging over the club, but is it more than that to you? Um, well, I'll tell you this. You don't hear a lot of conversations about Joe Lewis in the media where positive things are said. Um, and you don't, you've got that coupled with the Enoch out crowd coupled with the fact that, you know, the, the rumblings and, and the, the facts that from a business standpoint, Tottenham Hotspur has been a goddamn cash cow, but from an on the field 
standpoint, we've been nothing uh, but also runs or or disappointing finishers um, in the major races. And so I think <clears throat> Joe Lewis has finally put himself in too big of a spotlight to be ignored anymore. And I hope that that speeds up the process of getting Tottenham out of Enix hands. That's what I hope. And I think that with names like Jay-Z being bantered about at this stage of the game uh, as a potential buyer, we've heard certain Saudi investors be names be mentioned as potential buyers. Tottenham is the most attractive team for sale in England, potentially for sale in England right now outside of Man United. Right. And, I was going to say, unless the Glazers actually decide they're right. They no, are, it's outside of Man United. United. Right. But, but even like, as I'm looking at it from, from not a, not a, uh, a, a historical standpoint or, or not a cache standpoint, if I'm looking at it simply from an infrastructural standpoint as a potential investor, I want the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the land that's already been purchased all around it and the training grounds and everything that occurs way more than I want to go deal with the bullshit up in Manchester or around Old Trafford. Well, that's, I, I would say that that's a biased opinion, but I, I get what you're saying. I well, also no, I'm think just that saying like it's a logistical nightmare for new ownership group to go in and look what it's going to take and cost to revamp Old Trafford to, to, yeah. to get it. No, there is, there is, there is a lot of that. You're right. And I, I also, I also would say that if the Fenway sports group follows through with what they purport to want to do to sell Liverpool, that would be another club that would be of interest to a lot of not only, you know, Saudi investment or oil country investment, um, Qatari investment, whatever you, whoever would want to come in, but also to an American crowd, like you say, you know, there's rumors of, of, of Jay-Z. Uh, Sean, uh, I, I guess the, the real question to me would be, um, would we rather have an Arsenal fan or, or a, an oil country come in to run this club? Cause that might be the, <laughs> That might be the uh, the either or here that we're looking at, Scott. I didn't realize Jay Z was an Arsenal fan, but well, he's um, proclaimed some love in the past for Thierry Henry, and and that's what who, what really got him into a, a, a love for for soccer. So yeah, there's, there's there's maybe a little bit of that out there. There was an interest. Let's just say he's back. an Henry fan. No, I, I think he, I think it might be a little more than that. I don't know, but um, uh, is is there another well, rapper you'd like to throw into this mix, and 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 maybe instead of Jay Z, we can encourage someone else. Yeah, well, I mean, if we're thank you for asking if if we're talking about most talented rappers, then there's there's someone that I would rather have have by the club, and that's that's Nas, obviously, just just a little bit better than Jay Z when it comes to the ability ability to to drop bars. But you know, I I would have to say that I would take either one of those two as the owner of Tottenham. Um, obviously, Jay Z's name has been mentioned. I would very much prefer him to other names that we've heard, as as you all well know. You know, by this point in, in our friendships, I would, uh, I would, I would really hope that someone from uh, you know, either Qatar or the Saudi group does not come by the club. So hopefully, hopefully, Jay Z would be the one to, to to sign the sign the deal if it were to happen. But I don't know. I don't. I don't think that Enoch ends up selling the club because of this. It sounds like. Joe Lewis, you know, moved moved shares on, and I don't understand anything about how what that means, right? And and how they could come back and trace that back to him, and still being involved, blah blah blah. I have no idea, but I think Joe Lewis gets in trouble. I don't think the club's impacted by it. You know, I, I heard people come out right away and say I don't even think anything will happen to Joe Lewis, but 
you know, it seems like the, the, the this district in New York, it means business and um, they'll have some power behind whatever they decide to do. Um, this isn't financial fair play, right? Which is sometimes the, the thing that we jump to as soccer fans that nothing actually goes through as far as people being held to account. Um, but I do think Joe Lewis ends up in a little bit of trouble and I don't really think that it, it, it turns into, uh, well, I'll say this, I don't think it affects the club and I certainly don't think it turns into the club having to sell. Yeah, I, I I think that anytime we hear three hundred million dollar bail to all of us, we're like, holy shit, that's a lot of money. But obviously, to someone like Joe Lewis, that's nothing, so it it doesn't matter as much. But um, it is, I I think that it impacts the club just from a PR standpoint more than anything. You know, you have obviously Tottenham Hotspur is is not mentioned in this indictment at all. It's you know the club is not, um, the the club has not been indicted here. Joe Lewis has been indicted um they're not neat they're not the club is not mentioned by name and and you know it's it's one of those things that yeah there's an attachment that that is probably a little bit more in terms of bad pr than anything but i i see todd's point in that it could lead to you know something a little bit further down the line that you know i think in the medium to long-term future for for this club could could end up seeing a change hands but in the short term and and in the club on the pitch term i don't think this is really a, a Tottenham Hotspur issue as much as it is a Joe Lewis issue. Yeah. I mean, no, to Todd's point too, I certainly think this, this turns into people inquiring about the sale of the club, which you weren't going to have without this happening. Right. And, you know, to that point, you could say that there's, there's a, a, a chance of some sort mathematically that this does lead to Enix selling the club, but I do think it, it, it again leads to inquiries and there's certainly people that, would be interested and again as todd said probably are very interested in in purchasing tottenham hotspur so we'll see um you know as you guys have have pointed out pr is is pr and if tottenham's name is being discussed uh you know in anything that's towards the capacity of the the sale of the club i think that um that's a positive thing so yeah but i also agree with scotty from a bar standpoint i got nas by a mile Thank God. All right. I didn't want to get into get into, get into anybody trying to tell me that Jay-Z was a better rapper. So look at <laughs> yeah. look at look at Illmatic and what it did for hip hop. It completely Facts. changed the trajectory of the genre. So um yeah, and Jay-Z, dare I say, benefited from Illmatic, right? And what it did for, for the genre. So shout to Nas. But we do know that Jay-Z's wife can sell out a couple of nights at, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We found that out earlier this year. So maybe that's a, yes. a feather in his cap. I don't know. Yes, and if he if if he wants to be called, if he is listening, he might be to to the Tottenham Depot, Jay Z. If you want to be called the second greatest rapper of all time by the club, um, I'm willing to call you that if you if you do come in and, and save Tottenham from from the hands of Phoenix. So um, from let's itself, every, yeah, <laughs> thank you. And, and internet, do us a favor, retweets, likes, everything. I need Jay Z to get this episode onto his timeline. In some way, shape, or form, as they say, Twitter, do your thing, please. Fair enough. I, I hear you. Uh, you guys want to talk a little bit about the uh, the Women's World Cup? Uh, we've seen quite a bit of action in the last week. Of course, the Americans drew with the Netherlands 1-1, which was a really big result. Uh, but we've seen some Spurs in action, too. We saw Beth England uh, get a little bit of action for England uh, at the tail end of their win over, I believe it was Denmark. Um, and we've seen... You know, New Zealand going out, which is tough for the hosts. Uh, they're not going to move on. But I, I'm I'm excited to see these these last rounds of of group games 
get through and get through just some knockouts because the knockouts are, are going to be pretty juicy, Todd. I, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Have you been watching any of this Women's World Cup? It's been really qu quite the watch. Yeah, I've been paying attention. The Colombia-Germany match was probably one of the better matches of soccer that I've I've seen in a minute. So it was really darn cool. I'm I'm looking forward to these knockouts. I think that um I think that this is only doing amazing things to elevate the women's game. And at this stage, that's all we can ask for. Yeah, I somehow ended up awake at about 3:15 in the morning, Saturday morning, and caught most of I, I it was only I was only about 15, 20 minutes late to it, but most of that france brazil match which was for me i mean the usa netherlands game was incredible but that match i don't know what don't ask me why i was awake at that hour i mean i had plenty more time to sleep um but i, I ended up waking up and was just i was completely in, in, enthralled by that over a cup of coffee really early in the morning that has been really fun um a lot of a lot of spurs women still still kind of getting action in these matches too so really cool to see um and again, I think that if, if the schedule works out, I think we're still another two weeks away. I think the first Premier League day might be the day of the final. I've got to double check on that. But I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have a lot of action to watch here in the Women's World Cup upcoming. A um, little bit of Spurs women news as well this week. Vicky Jepsen is uh, is back with the club. She has been appointed to the role of senior assistant head coach for the women's team. Um, she, of course, served as the uh, the interim manager down the stretch um, for Spurs women last year. And uh, all of a sudden she is back to be a, an assistant head coach under uh, Robert Villam, the new head coach. So um, I'm not sure how that really impacts, uh, you know, the, the club as a whole, but obviously she did a good job right. down the stretch, keeping, keeping Spurs women up after there was a little bit of a relegation scare. Um, so I'm really excited to see, you know, what Vicky Jepsen's impact can be coming back into this club yeah. um, from, from that standpoint. No, sorry to interrupt you. I, I agree. And I, I think it's a really smart signing. Um, and it's perfect. Caroline has arrived back with us. Just perfect timing for this conversation. But I think, I think Vicky coming back does wonders for the squad in the sense that she led us through a, a relegation battle and, and picked up the reins at a tough time. And, I think we've got a fantastic head coach. The more I learn about this, this fella and not only on the pitch, but off the pitch as well, he seems like a fantastic dude. And I think him coupled with, with a leader who's taken the team through the trenches is a, is a really, really shrewd decision by whoever's making decisions for, for, for Tottenham Hotspur's women's team. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And, um, you know, as I'll say with the men, I do not think we're winning the Super League, but I think we have a really good chance of, of planting ourselves in the middle of the league and continuing to build with this coaching staff. So, Yeah, I, I agree with that, Scott. I think that she's really well liked by the playing squad. That's clear from, you know, interviews from all of the players. And I like I still have questions about her tactically. You know, I think it's it's true that she did help us get through that relegation scrap, but there were still definitely some questionable decisions in terms of like lineup selection, you know, substitutions. So I, I think she just still is in a place where she's learning. And it seems like we've made the correct appointment with the head coach, you know, tentatively, of course, we'll have to wait to see. But I think, you know, it should be a good opportunity for her to continue um, learning and hopefully get another head coaching chance somewhere down the line, whether that's at Spurs or elsewhere. Um, she seems like a great person. So 
it's it's never a bad thing to have someone who has the trust of the players and can be there as like another, you know, positive dressing room influence. And Caroline, as Scott said, you know, a, a lot of, we, 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 we started, you were able to rejoin us here. We started to talk a little bit about uh, the Women's World Cup too before the, the Vicky Jepsen um, news came up. And, you know, a lot of the, the ramp up to the season for the women will happen, of course, after the World Cup. But what have you seen from this World Cup that you really liked? We we mentioned uh, Beth England got on the pitch for England, which was is is a good thing. Um, we had questions about that, but you know, I I, I <laughs> was jokingly brought up the that Brazil France match, which was just incredible, and uh, New Zealand going out as a host, which is tough. But I know you've been, as you mentioned at the top of the pod, kind of burning the burning the. Uh, <laughs> Bring the candle at both ends, watching this women's World Cup at you know all hours of the the morning and night. Um, what is what has caught your eye from it? Yeah, and I still haven't seen as many games as I would have liked. Um, it's it's impossible. To... I, who can blame you? Yeah. It's like it's it's so damn hard to to watch something happening on the other side of the planet right. with, with you know those pesky time zones. Yeah, for the U.S. time zones, I feel like this has just been a rough one, but I think in terms of like the Spurs women kind of angle, you know, I think Rhea did really well as one of the co-captains of her nation. And they kind of, I think, surprised a lot of people. Um, they came so close to qualifying for the knockouts. So, you know, congrats to them for getting their first ever world cup win and hopefully changing the trajectory of women's football in that country forever. Um I think Roz, you know, Rosella with Morocco has been kind of a weird one. She didn't start in their last, in their second game in the group stage. So that was interesting. Uh, so she was not able to get the distinction of scoring the first ever World Cup goal for her nation. Uh, that went to a different player. But I think Becky Spencer has had a really good World Cup so far. She's got two clean sheets, you know, in their first two games. And I, I really need her to get back to her top level before our season starts because, you know, as of right now, she's the only like legitimate senior keeper that we have on the books. So I'm hoping that she's going to have a strong season. And I think Drew Spence, she's had pretty good performances, but <laughs> I still have kind of concerns like I have with her when she's with Spurs that she's not like, a 90 minute kind of player. Like she, she shows up in spurts. Um, so I think just consistency is something that, that I always struggle with, with her. Um, and then Shalina, I honestly, I didn't get to see the one game that she played in for Canada. I think she came on as a sub. So I, I probably should go back and try to watch that just cause we haven't seen her play in ages period. Um, but overall, I would just say, oh, and then there's also Luana with Switzerland. Um, they have advanced to the knockouts, but she, I think, apparently picked up an injury, and I, I have not heard what the injury is. Hopefully nothing serious. Um, yeah, no kidding. Don't you don't want a new signing having to come into the season with a, with a, with a new knock. Right. And I mean, that's always going to be kind of the, the catch-22 so, of the World Cup. Yeah, it's like risk. players – they on the one hand they can kind of work their way into some form before the season even starts but then they also could get injured so um i think overall this world cup has just been incredibly exciting because the teams that were kind of painted as the underdogs coming in a lot of them have really surprised people there have been a lot of breakout stars already 
So I'm, I'm just excited. Like my bracket is totally broken already. So that sucks, but I'm excited <laughs> to keep watching the rest of it anyway. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. It is, uh, it has been fun for, for what I've been able to see. I was even watching some of the replay of the, the Columbia Germany match, uh, this afternoon. Cause I obviously could not manage to wake up for, for watching something like that live, but, uh, caught some of it. It was it's exciting. It's exciting stuff. And I'm glad to see the, I'm glad to see the crowd. I, I heard, I heard an interview with a, with a Washington post columnist, uh, earlier this week who was down in Australia covering the women's world cup. And, um, he said that, he feels like Australians in general are the, the, the most um, what's the word kind of the most apt to be sports fans of any nation, like the most enthusiastic about sports in general, which I found interesting. There was some poll done uh, saying that like 90% of Australians at least have a passing interest in sport, which I think is being shown throughout this world cup. Cause some of the games in New Zealand have looked a little uh, more sparsely attended, but the games in Australia especially have just been packed and the atmospheres have been incredible. So um, that's not a knock on, on New Zealanders by any stretch, but I'm just saying it's it, there, there's been some games where there's really been a great vibe and, and a great atmosphere. So really good stuff. And uh, I've enjoyed watching it for Todd. He is at TC underscore show for Caroline at CG Stefko. Scott is at DSM Spurs and I am at a Stetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, you can also leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice really does help to get the word out, spread the word about the pod, leave us uh, all the love there. And the five star reviews uh, are much, much appreciated. Uh, we'll be back with you guys next week to talk more Spurs until then, as always, come on, you Spurs.